We're in this section where the Lord prays and his prayer is recorded. That high priestly prayer in which he is, he is praying specifically for his disciples and for the body of Christ. And you, you hear his heart in this prayer as Savior of the world, the creator of this universe, is about ready to go to the cross. You, you hear his heart in this prayer in John 17. We're coming close to the end of, of, of the prayer. And, and this morning, I, I'd like to look at just verses 20 through 23. It begins by saying, Jesus says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Powerful, powerful section of verses. A section of verses that should do several things within our hearts. A section of verses that should make us feel incredibly loved by our Savior. A section of verses that should cause us to see our identity in Christ. And and a section of verses that, that will allow us to be able to be in a place of seeing the heart of our Savior towards us, His people. As he prays to the Father. He begins by saying, I do not pray for these alone. Meaning his disciples. Meaning those who were there with him. I, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. The Lord was not only praying for the disciples, but all who were following him then at that time, and he was praying for all who in the future would believe in him. I read that and it, it, it made me feel loved. It, it made me feel just incredibly cared for by our Savior. Here he is in the final moments of his life, just prior to his arrest just prior to his crucifixion. And he's praying, and, I say, and he's saying not for these disciples alone, but also for all who will believe in me. For for you. Praying for you. Praying for me. Praying for my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, their great-grandparents, or others throughout these generations of these last 2,000 years who would believe in him. Specifically at this time, looking upon those who will in the future believe. He, 
he's thinking of us as he's going to the cross. I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me. A knowledge of who they are. A knowledge of all those who will come to faith in him. He knew us. He knew us by name. Our names are written in a book of life called before even the foundations of the world. And he prays. He prays specifically for those who will believe in the future. The reason why that makes me just feel incredibly loved and cared for is at that time, he was thinking of us. Of all who will believe in me. Now notice that he prays for those who will believe. That emphasis there of those who will believe. It's not, and I'm praying for those who will accomplish enough to also be in my kingdom later on. He's not praying for those who will have enough good works later on in their life or who will bear the most fruit or anything like that. He specifically just identifies those as, and I pray for those who will believe. That which marks us as followers of Christ are those who will believe, those who have faith in him. The emphasis over and over and over in scripture is that it is those who have faith in in Christ, those who will believe. And from there, from those who will believe in me, specifically in Christ, specifically in their Savior, and how is it that they believe? It tells us through their word. I pray. I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I'm not praying for these apostles alone, these disciples alone, but also those who will believe in me through the word of the apostles. And we find in scripture that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Those who will come to believe through his word, through the word that has been recorded for us in scripture, the precious, perfect word. Word of God. How is it that people are saved? They're saved through the proclamation of the word. There's a reason why the Bible is emphasized here at Reverence Bible Church. It's because it is through the power of God's word that the Holy Spirit works in just mighty ways to bring us to salvation. In Romans 10, 15, it says, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Proclaiming the gospel. Bringing glad tidings of good things. Preaching the word. With missions, how beautiful are the feet of those who specifically preach the gospel of peace. 
We have Sir and Christy Roadheaver and their family getting ready in the near future to head out to Utah. Passion in their heart to go and proclaim the gospel in Utah, in an area in which there's so few believers, almost entirely a Mormon area in which they're going to. The theology of, of Mormons is radically different than that of Christians. Um, we would be um, contradicted in that by the media today. Um, we'd be contradicted in that by our culture today. Um, but there is a radical difference when there's a religion, religion that says, Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God. A religion that says Jesus and Satan are brothers. A religion that that says that you're not saved by faith in the work of Christ alone, but faith and works. A religion that may say words like Jesus, but he is radically different if he is the brother of Satan who is not the God from all eternity past, radically different than the Jesus of the Bible, in whom created all things, and in him all things exist. And he is a part of the triune Godhead, of God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, perfectly God who paid the full and entire price for us on the cross. And to think of the feet of them going and just bringing the gospel to Utah, May we joyfully just support them financially and in prayer and encourage them as we send them out. Others who go and proclaim the gospel here in this particular community, amongst our friends, amongst our neighbors, and even to the uttermost parts of this world, wherever it is that God calls us. But it comes with the proclamation of the word. It comes through the proclamation of the word. It comes through proclaiming the gospel. Those who will believe in me through their word. Acts 4.4, however, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of them came to be about 5,000. They heard the word and they believed. There's something just absolutely wonderful when you see the Lord work in people's lives like that, isn't it? The word goes forward and they hear and they realize that they're a sinner. They realize that they're in desperate need of grace. And then they're able to see their Savior, Christ alone, who lived a perfect life and died on the cross and took their sin upon himself and gave them his righteousness that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And they hear the gospel, they hear the word, and they believe. And so Jesus prays for all those who will believe in me through their word. In verse 21, he goes from there and says that they all may be one. All those who believe. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. That they may be one. 
from the very beginning, partially from the very beginning, the apostles to us living here today, we are one in the sense of the universal church. A church that has existed from that time and continues to exist to this day and will continue on until the Lord returns. We don't have a different gospel than what they had. We never improved on the gospel. You can't improve upon the gospel. It's simply the gospel. It's God's word. It has endured. It has lasted. The same in which they studied is that which we study. That which the early church heard and believed and 5,000 of them came to know Christ is the same in which saves us at this time. We don't improve upon God's word. We preach it. It doesn't change by a clever way to present it. It is the word and it is the Holy Spirit who moves and works and is sharper than any two-edged sword and takes his word and, 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 and pierces hearts and changes us and brings us to salvation. Radical. So we are one just as with the disciples, but it doesn't stop there. We are one as far as the body of Christ is concerned. We belong to one another. There's unity that is there. He's praying for that. Um, This is not a a unity that overlooks major doctrinal differences. This isn't a unity at all costs. Um, There's movements within the church today to... To have this mentality of can't we all just get along? Why would you say something like, like Mormonism and Mormons do not preach the gospel? Um, some of you may be sitting here this morning just saying like, ah. I heard during Romney's you know, run for president all these things and evangelicals coming out and apologizing for saying stuff like what you just said and now you just said it and that's kind of a no-no and everybody knows that you ought not to say things like that. I'll tell you, like, we are not to be unified at all costs as far as just give up the gospel. You can't do that. You can't be unified and say, okay, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, if Jesus isn't God himself. Just as long as you say his name, that's okay. Absolutely not, brothers and sisters. Absolutely not. William Hendrickson says, Believers, therefore, should always yearn for peace, but never for peace at the expense of the truth. For unity which has been gained by means of such a sacrifice is not worthy of the name. If it's for the sake of truth, at the expense of truth, Sacrifice that's far too great. John MacArthur said in in relationship to this, to be an effective warrior in the battle for truth today, several old-fashioned Christ-like virtues are absolutely essential. And then he begins to list some. Biblical discernment, it's essential. Wisdom, essential. Fortitude, essential. Determination, essential. Endurance, essential. Skill in handling scripture, essential. Strong convictions, essential. The ability to speak candidly without waffling and a willingness to enter into conflict is essential. He says, let's be honest. Those are not qualities of the contemporary evangelical, that the the contemporary evangelical movement has cultivated. In fact, the exact opposite is true. 
Consider the values and the motives that prompt postmodern evangelicals to do the things they do. The larger evangelical movement today is obsessed with opinion polls and brand identity and market research and merchandising schemes and innovative strategies and numerical growth. Evangelicals are preoccupied with matters such as their image before the academic world, their clout in the political arena, their portrayal by the media, and similar self-centered matters. Maintaining a positive image has become a priority over guarding the truth. And it ought not to, brothers and sisters. There is a need for us to guard the precious, precious word of God and the truth in it. Um, Not giving up the gospel for the sake of unity. That's not what Jesus is talking about. It's not unity at all costs. But there ought to be unity within the body. But as we look here, the point that is being made goes to a unity that he's calling them towards, praying for, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I don't believe that, that what is being said here is first and foremost a unity dealing with us simply getting along. It is a unity that is there for us as believers. A unity that is there for us as the body of Christ. You find in Scripture that he refers to us as, as him being the vine and us being the branches. There's a unity that is there within us as far as the body of Christ. We are unified. We are together as the body of Christ. We believe the same things. Our hope is in the same things. The message that we preach is the same message. We belong one to another. We need one another. We've been gifted in all different kinds of ways for the sake of each other and for our edification, for the building up of the saints, and for the proclamation of the gospel. There is a unity that is there. He is the vine, and we are the branches, and we go out and we bear much fruit, but we are unified in Christ, the vine. There's pictures in other, other, other places in Scripture of, of what it is that we are, where we're told that we are the body of Christ. Um, Ephesians 1.22 says, He put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Um, Turn with me for a moment to Ephesians chapter 4. You find here him talking about this body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Do you see the unity that is there? There's one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. 
I sat last night, late last night, with the Gersang family. And there was a unity that was there as tears flowed. Because everyone who sat in that room had the same hope. Everybody who sat in that room knew that we had the same Savior. Everybody who sat in that room knew that we had a God who was sovereign and in control. And he wasn't looking upon those in the room saying like, oh, I, wish, I wish so badly that things would have gone a different way, but I had no ability to stop it. I had no ability to change it. And people didn't cooperate with me properly. He was not a frustrated God that we were calling upon. He was a God that was sovereign, and he was a God that was good, and he was a God that was loving, and he was a God that knew the number of days that Johnny had, and he was a God who, who tells us where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, and he was a God who hurled sins into the depths of the sea and remembers them no more. He was a God that pours his righteousness upon those who have faith in Christ. He was, he's a God who loves us and will minister to us and who call me, just care for us. And just thinking about the body of Christ and, and, and thinking of, of the way in which we love one another. I, I was talking with someone this last week and I was saying that I, I make plans as if what, what happens when I go home to be with the Lord. And I try to make sure that things are taken care of and Tasha, I'd want it like this, or I'd want this like that, or I want, and we, we talk about some of those things, and, and you know what, there, there, there's one thing that I, I, I had said last week, there, there's, there's one thing that I never think of, though. I, I never think, will my wife and kids be loved properly by our church? It never even enters into my mind whether or not they will be loved properly. They will be loved they will be cared for in the most incredible, incredible way. There's a unity that is there. It goes on, if you look at verse 11 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may we grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Do you get the idea of we are one? There is a unity that is there because we have Christ as our head and we are the body and he's gifted people in different ways and everybody has a different function but he says I've gifted them in such a way that the body may be built up and encouraged they they might just be built up and encouraged 
And so the Lord is praying for this. I'm praying for the apostles, but all those who will believe that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. The Godhead. The unity that is there between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. May they be one like that. That they also may be one in us. The body of Christ. That the world may believe that you sent me. He also refers to the church as the family of God. He refers to us as brothers and sisters in Christ. A unity that is there as one family. That we exist together as one family. We're together. I, I don't pick my brother or my sisters. I don't pick them. God gives them to me. And there's, there's nothing that can change who my brothers and my sisters are, who my parents are. This is my family. This is what has been given to me. Likewise, as a church, we, we, we are a body. We are a family. We belong to one another. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And each one of us use our gifts in a different way. And just as, as we're so excited for a family member when something goes very well for them, or just as we weep with those that are weeping, just as we care for one another within, within our immediate family, the, the, the same is to go for us as a church. Loving those that are in a time of just being hurt and, and, and needing to be ministered to. Even if you don't know them well, taking that time to spend to just pray for them or ask them, is there anything that I can do? Loving one another. Using the gifts that God's given us for that. Not just bearing our gifts or hiding our gifts, but stirring up the gifts that are within us for the sake of building up the rest of the body. One of the little girls at our church had said about my sister, Melissa. Many of you may know Melissa. Um, Melissa, I don't know if she's here right now. Um, She wouldn't raise her hand if she was. Um, Melissa is just like a a, a fireball of energy if you've been around her. Um, I can't begin to tell you how many people said, like, the first person I met was Melissa. Um, but Melissa, this, 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 this little girl came and said, Pastor Kevin's sister works at the church. Uh, and that, that's, that's weird that she works at the church, which she doesn't. Um, at least we don't pay her. Um, <laughs> but what was said was, yeah, her job is to make everybody happy, Right? This is coming from just a little girl at the church. Like her job is to make everybody happy, right? That's what she gets paid for. I want that job. <laughs> this makes people happy. But, but coming from a, a little girl looking like, oh, she must be employed here. I mean, why else would someone be like that? But just going to just make people happy. And many of you maybe have found yourself being ministered to her in that way. But just being cared for. Using your gifts to minister to the rest of the body. 
And we see that take place. We see people come and just, how can I serve? What can I do? I'll, I'll do the electrical work as someone worked on so hard the other day. And, and, or I'll, 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 I'll set up this or I'll do that or I'll, be, I'll joyfully set up communion or I'll joyfully serve in children's ministry or I'll joyfully just be one who just prays and prays and cares for people. And they use their gifts and they stir them up and there's just this sweet unity as a living organism being the church. So Jesus is praying that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And you find it there where the unity that is there within the church in which God has made is to be one that is displayed in such a way that people come to know Christ as a result of it. It's not something that's simply inward. It's not that we are simply the body of Christ functioning in different ways, but it is to be displayed in such a way that there, that unity, that oneness, that togetherness will be used in a way to bring others to know Christ. That is what is to happen. That is what is to happen. To be one with a heart that just loves one another and people see something radically different in the, the unity that is there within the body. In verse 22, he says, In the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Now, the glory, obviously, isn't that we are glorified at this particular time. Um, he does not give his glory to any others. He alone is to receive all glory and all honor. But the glory that he gave us is that union with the Father. The glory in which he gave us is Christ in us. You see it in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where it says, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into this same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There is a radical thing that has taken place within our hearts and it is Christ in us. This unity that we have within the Godhead. Because our identity is found in him. Because we are found in him. Because Christ has displayed the Father to us in such a way that he says, the glory which you gave me, I've given to them. They see you. They know you. They belong to you. They are one with you, just as I am one with you. And then from there he says, I in them. And you in me that they may be made perfect in one. And he'll do that, right? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are being transformed into the image of Christ. And so he says, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. Again, 
that comes up. That the world may know that you have sent me. It's part of the gospel message going forward. It's a part of our testimony. Is the oneness that we have as the body of Christ. In listening to Johnny's testimony last night, he had said, my grandparents told me how loved they were when they came to our church. And they kept telling us how loved they were when they came. And he said, they were right. He said, we finally came and they were right. He's like, I think back, I've never been loved like I have been at this church. To me, that's just precious. But the fact of the matter is, is that we need to grow in this. Because I can guarantee you that there's people that are sitting here this morning that's saying, like, I don't know that I feel that. I don't know how many people have reached out to me or cared for me. I don't know how many people even know who I am or any of those things. And I'll tell you that we need to grow in this. We need to pray for this. We need to pray for a unity that, 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 that isn't one that, that, that's simply who we are as the church, but that it's lived out as well. Stirring up the gifts that are within us. Not forsaking the gathering together of the body of Christ, such as the manner of some. But that we would be together and that we would be united and that we would be carrying one another's burdens and caring for one another and loving one another and ministering to one another and the word edifying or building up one another. That that would be a normal thing that takes place within our church. It will be used for the furtherance of the gospel. We, we, we could go and say, like, our goal is to grow this church. Let's just grow this church. Let's grow it as quickly as we possibly can. Um, but I, that, that, that's not my goal. I mean, honestly, I don't. They're, they're, there's no such goals that go through my mind. I want the gospel to go forward, and I want to see people come to know Christ. I, I, with a passion, I want to see people come to know Christ. I want to see people saved. I want us to, to, to shine so brightly that the gospel goes forward and is proclaimed, and we see people come to know Christ. But I pray, and us as an elder board pray, that we would be a healthy church. That you would grow in your knowledge of God and your love for God. That you would grow in such a way that there is such clarity in the gospel and such hope in the gospel and, and, and such love for your Savior and knowledge of who he is. And you just grow and you continue to grow and you continue to grow and you continue to fall more deeply in love with him. The more that you learn about him, the more that you love him and the more that you love him, the more you want to stir up the gifts within you to serve one another, and the more that that takes place, the more worship takes place, and the more worship takes place, the more living for him takes place to where we are a healthy church, serving one another, and making ourselves vulnerable one another, and caring for one another, and properly ministering together as a body of Christ so that we would be an organism that is healthy, 
And it does not happen easily, especially at this time in church history. I think that there's grown such a mentality of individualism and um, doing things on your own and being apart from everybody else. There's, there's, there's such a sense of coming and sitting and not being known by anybody and then being able to leave and never ever um, just functioning properly as a church. You know that's the case when, when there's vast numbers of people who simply watch church on TV today, watch on the internet. I mean, in some cases they can't get out of bed, but, but I'd pray that if that was you and you couldn't get out of bed, that there'd be people that are coming to minister to you as well. Drive-through churches where it's like a drive-in theater. You young people have never heard of such a thing. But you pull up in your car, and there's like a little box. It comes in. You can hear what's being said, and there's this huge screen that you look at. They exist today. They, they, they think it's wonderful. It's a huge selling point. You go to church, and you don't have to talk to anybody. Like no chance of someone greeting you, God forbid. <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to be, is it? They're supposed to be a knowledge of one another and care for one another and love for one another. I pray that we'd be healthy. We'd be loving. There would be such sweet unity that we would have together in Christ that the world would know that the Father sent the Son. And then it closes with this incredible sentence here. That you have sent me, and then it says, and have loved them as you have loved me. Isn't that something that just knocks your socks off? Look at that. He is praying to the Father and then says, that you, Father, have loved them just as you have loved me. Same. The same that you have loved me is the same love in which you love them, us, the disciples and all those who would believe from their word being proclaimed after them. You love them with the same love in which you love me. I, that, 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 is, that is such a powerful, powerful section in the prayer here before us. You are loved by the Father with the same love in which he has loved the Son. You think of God the Father and God the Son from eternity past. They have always existed. They, they have always been together. They joyfully have created all that exists. They joyfully have been in perfect union and perfect alignment, n- never out of union and in, in alignment in eternity past. And now Jesus is praying that love, that perfect love that you have had for me, you love them in the same way. You maybe grew up in a home where possibly parents had favorites. I know I was the favorite. (laughs) 
Did you hear my mom say amen? I, I, thought, I thought I heard something like that. We do that as kids to this day. Like, if, if, if we go out to eat with my mom and dad, I, I will typically send a text to one or more of my siblings saying, like, oh, I'm having lunch with mom and dad. Oh, wait, you weren't invited. <laughs> and they do the same to me, part of building each other up. But we... <laughs> you maybe grew up in a home in which it wasn't funny, but that actually was the case. Not so with your Heavenly Father. Isn't that a radical? God the Son, the way in which God the Father loves God the Son, He loves all of His people in the same manner, in the same way. God help us never to question the love the Father has for you. He loves you just as He loved the Son, just as He loves the son there is something that is so secure about that isn't there you are so safe with him Jesus saying I hold you in my hand and the father who's greater than all holds you in his hand and there's no one that can snatch you away Oh, such safety in the arms of a loving God I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you such safety in the arms of a God who loves like that. He loves you like that. Loved. Just as the Father loved the Son. May we grow, brothers and sisters. May we be thankful for the unity that we have in Christ and the organism in which he has created. But may we grow in unity one for another. Our responsibilities towards one another. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. Teaching and admonishing one another. Bearing one another's burdens. Having fervent love for one another. Being hospitable to one another. Hospitable to one another. Not hospital. Ministering to one another. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Jesus said, love one another as as I have loved you. You also love one another. May the Lord make you increase and abound in your love to one another and to all. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, giving preference to one another. All of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, loving, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil. Live in harmony with one another. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do not speak evil of one another. Serve one another. You bite and devour one another. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, admonishing one another, be like-minded towards one another, receive one another, 
just as Christ also received you. Comfort each other and edify one another. Be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. Wash one another's feet. Part of just, I just quoted from 15 or 20 scriptures. Our responsibilities towards one another. May that be in us and stirred up more and more, even more as we see the day approaching. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for the great, great unity that we have together with you. Um, We're thankful that you're the vine and we're the branches. We're thankful that you're the head and we're the body. We're thankful that, that we are the family of God together. We're so thankful for the brothers and sisters who are in this room. I pray, Lord, that more and more that unity and that oneness would be displayed so that we could be encouraged, so that we could be built up, so that we could be healthier. And so that the world might know that you, Father, sent Jesus to be our Savior. May that take place each and every day as we run this race that's been set before us. Give us eyes to see one another in this sanctuary who are part of this church even as you see us. May your love for us, Lord God, may that great love with which you have loved us be that which just motivates us towards passionate worship and living for you, adoration towards you, gratefulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.